Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hello, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thanks for giving the show a download, a listen, a view. However it is that you are consuming this delicious information, we greatly appreciate that. This week's topic is a phenomenal one. I cannot tell you how many times growing up I heard this phrase, beans, beans, good for the heart. The more you eat them, the more you... Anyway, they're healthy. That's the bottom line. That's what that jingle taught you growing up. And by goodness gracious, we're going to get to the bottom of just how healthy is a hill of beans and somebody that knows a whole lot about beans. Or do I know beans about beans? I think that you know (laughs) a lot about beans. More bean. Anyway, Dietitian Lee Crosby from the Barnard Medical Center. Welcome back to the program. Delighted to be here. There's a reason that I chose you for this particular show. Can you guess it? Because beans? And beans have a lot of? Fiber. There you go. This is the fiber queen. Uh, (laughs) If you've been listening to the exam room for any length of time, you know that Lee has just uh, actually, I'm not going to call it an unhealthy obsession with fiber because fiber is very healthy. It's so healthy. You have a healthy obsession with fiber. That is correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that makes you the perfect candidate for this show. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about, well, which beans have the most fiber? What are the health benefits of beans? Why you should be eating them? How you should be eating them? And maybe a couple ideas on just what you could cook with them beans. Dem beans. Dem bean beans. <laughs> I like saying It's going to be like a that. good episode. It is. I feel like it's almost going off the rails already. But <laughs> Never. Let, let's let's talk about this. So I I mean in all honesty, you know, beans beans good for the heart. Are they really Lee? Yeah, darn tootin'. I oh, I've been waiting to use that. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Bad pun number one. All right. It's just one of many, I'm sure. So, yes, they actually are good for your heart specifically. So growing up, I just thought it was a funny little ditty. But it turns out that beans contain fiber, like we mentioned. But they contain soluble fiber, which actually helps absorb the cholesterol, the extra cholesterol that your body is trying to get rid of in your GI tract, Mm -hmm. soaks it up like a sponge, holds onto it so you can't reabsorb it. And instead, when you have a moving experience, yeah, you get rid of that cholesterol. So it actually just exits the body. So it actually helps lower your cholesterol levels because if it's stuck around in your digestive tract, you would reabsorb more of it. Right. So it actually leaves the body, which helps lower your cholesterol, which is great for your heart. So there you go. It truly is true. Yes, that beans are good for your heart. I like the way that you break that down. So soluble fiber. Soluble fiber. That, that gets the cholesterol out of there. So hey, get on. That's right. But but the insoluble fiber is what is that roughage that beans also have that helps things move along. I was just going to ask, you, yes. know, you know, making sure that there was that insoluble fiber in there. I Absolutely. believe that uh, previously on the show that insoluble fiber has been uh, described as a scrubber. <laughs> kind of scrub goes brush. through you and it just yes. kind of scrubs everything <laughs> out and yep. it's moving day. That's right. Oh. Uh, going to be, yep. Yeah, it's one of those shows. Uh, question, uh, how much fiber is typically in beans? In beans? In beans. Okay, so beans are really high in fiber. So a cup of beans, cooked beans now, mm-hmm. anywhere between 15 to 19 grams, depending on what kind of beans you're eating. Now, I should say that the recommended dietary you know, allowance for fiber is actually 25 grams a day for women, mm-hmm. 38 grams a day for men. Not sure that's an oddly specific number, but that's that's what we're told. But actually at Barnard Medical Center, where I see patients, we recommend 35 to 40 grams of fiber a day for everyone. 
So beans are going to get you about a third, almost half the way there, just a cup of beans. Right. I mean, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. And reaching those fiber levels is really easy to do on the plant-based diet. You, oh, yes. You do not have to think about it. No, no. Yeah. I, I I probably eat far more than 40 grams of fiber a day. Mm. Yeah. I, I would assume that most everybody here in the office does. I would think so. It's yeah. hard, Like you said, it's hard not to. You're eating plants. You're getting fiber. When you sit down with a patient, you go over, you know, what they should be eating, you kind of give them some guidelines. How often does that include beans? Like, is it in every day you should be eating beans? Is it Absolutely. twice a day you should be eating those beans? At least once a day. Okay. At least once a day. I mean, again, and you don't have to eat them in straight bean form. You can do it in something like a hummus or a bean dip, but every day. They really do have just incredible health benefits, which we're going to dig into that, but one of those, one of my top foods for health overall. Here's an interesting one. There are so many types of beans. I mean, you go to the store, you look, you know, even in the canned section, like, oh, yeah, just even the bulk food section, like either way, like you just have it just seems like endless choices when it comes to beans. It's great, isn't it? Which have the highest amounts of fiber? Like if you're just in there for that fiber bomb, which beans <laughs> oh, I should don't you know. be picking up? I don't know. Um, so, it, OK, max fiber on a on a per volume basis. Or, yeah. Navy beans, small white beans, and if you're like, well, what's the difference? I don't really know because they look pretty much the same. Right. They're both small white beans to me. But <laughs> um, And adzuki beans are all pretty high. So navy beans and small white beans, 19 grams of fiber per cup cooked. And then the adzuki beans are at 17 grams. And split peas are close, are close following that at 16 grams. True story? Yeah. I didn't realize that split peas were actually a thing and not peas split because I don't know. I mean, I was 36 years old. I just had that revelation last night. Yeah, they're dried peas. I think, I think, don't quote me on this, I think they're a different variety as well, but they're certainly a dried bean versus the fresh kinds of peas that you would get like yeah. in the freezer section or in the store. I always thought it was somebody just getting one of those little green peas and cutting it in half and oh, voila, you've got Oh, no, pea. no, no. So <laughs> I know for sure that there are more mature peas, so the little green peas are right. like younger and these are, these are, these are... Yes, vintage peas. They're more mature. Do you enjoy the, the split pea soup? Yeah, it's good yeah, stuff. It is good stuff. Are you stuff. kidding? Oh. Uh, let me ask you about some of the more common beans. Uh, pinto beans. Uh, fiber? Yeah, fiber content here. 15 grams per cup. Black beans? 15 grams. I love me some hummus, so i got to ask about chickpeas. A little less, actually. 12.5. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Sorry. That's a good thing. They're still great. Are you kidding? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, no question about that. I think that in the standard American diet, people do they even get 10 grams of fiber a day i want to see the average oh i want to say it's around 15 Is and it, it okay. just makes me it just breaks my heart because just an apple i think has four or five grams so right. it doesn't it's not that hard and of course beans you just you already blown that out of the water so <laughs> yes you did there. uh <laughs> it's gonna keep going Fiber, though, it's it's good for weight loss. Ergo, beans can be really helpful if you're trying to slim down, right? They absolutely are. It's one of the foods that if someone comes to me and says, oh, you know, my weight loss isn't where I want it. Um, of course, I have them follow a low-fat plant-based diet. Beans, adding beans in, I, it's just magical. Okay, we, we keep coming back to that. I know. But but truly, so, so the easy. fiber, it really is. It's the fiber in magical fruit. <laughs> The fiber in beans helps you feel fuller for longer. So your stomach has stretch receptors in it. Mm -hmm. And when you get fiber-rich foods, they trigger, they have bulk, they trigger those stretch receptors, which helps you feel fuller 
longer. So you have that satiety that's called satiety when you're feeling full. But also, also, the fiber in beans and other plant foods feeds the good bacteria in your gut. Mm -hmm. So the good guys and that sort of zoo that lives in your intestinal tract. And those bacteria can actually produce substances that give you a signal that signal your brain also that you are having an increased feeling of satiety. So they help you feel more full. So two different ways. Pretty cool, huh? That is, yeah, look at the beans doubling down on weight I'm loss. telling you. And we're, we're probably going to circle back to the microbiome, those little gut bacteria again. But beans, at least one study, small study, showed that they can help people control their blood sugar, not just the day they eat them, but the next day because of the effects they think, because of the effects they have on those gut bacteria. No kidding. How cool that is magical. That's huge for diabetes. It's awesome. It really so that's one of the reasons that it's one of the foods that top of my list for people to to eat on a daily basis. Sorry, so my mother in law she doesn't listen to this show, so I'll just admit this outright. Uh oh, she loves the chocolate smoothies that'll make her right. And okay, so here's the recipe. Right, this is brilliant, and she thinks it's way better than anything she'll ever. Get I'm all from about the store. a chocolate smoothie. Let's hear it. All right, so really, all it is it's almond milk. Yeah, frozen bananas. Okay, cow powder. You hide in little bit of kale love and it some black beans love that and then you know if she's feeling sporty you know like a, a pinch of almond butter just to bring it up a little yeah. bit of vanilla a little bit of cinnamon that sounds amazing oh let me tell you something she thinks it's the greatest thing ever uh i kind of think that's the greatest thing ever and i mean that thing that's a fiber bomb right there yeah and she she cannot get enough of it and it's chocolate I know, right? Come on. We just did a, a chocolate episode uh, with your colleague Maggie. Excellent. Maggie Neola. Yes. Uh, you should you should listen to that. It was really interesting, the health benefits of chocolate. There are quite a few, as it turns out. There are, but it comes with the caveat. <laughs> oh, dear. As you imagine, the, I'm more not sure I want to know this. the more processed oh. the chocolate is, uh, the fewer the Well, yeah, not in like a solid bar of fat and like a chocolate no, bar, but no. the actual cocoa itself. Right. That's some good stuff. You get cacao powder, like they'll call it a superfood. I honestly think it's a little bit borderline. That's just my opinion, but it's pretty daggone good for you. Have you tasted it, though? It's so good. I know. Come on. I know. As I always say, once it <laughs> hits your lips. Um, let's get serious, though. All right. Again, uh, back to the beans. Um, fiber. Uh, we have talked about this also in the past, that it is so good for fighting chronic, potentially deadly diseases as well. Correct. And I know for men uh, specifically, I mean, this is this is really key to helping to lower the risk of colorectal cancer. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's actually, they've, they've done a decent amount of research on this. And the Harvard Nurses Health Study and Health Professionals follow-up study, they actually looked at more than 1,500 people who'd been diagnosed with colorectal cancer. And they looked at their diets and their risk of dying over you know a certain period of time, eight years, here we go. Mm -hmm. And for every five grams of fiber that they added to their diets, their risk of dying was reduced by 25%. I think about what you just said, five grams of fiber. Right. Think about the, the amount of fiber we were just talking about with the various beans. That's like a even, third of a cup less. Right. Even, even the chickpeas, which only had 12 and a half grams. Yep. I know. I, mean, I know. This is one of the reasons I want people eating fiber in the form of beans in particular uh, every day. Absolutely. So, I mean, doing the math here, navy beans, 19 grams of fiber. In a cup. That's a serious drop. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, that's I mean, incredible. again, we're talking a quarter of a cup of navy beans, and people, if they were to add that amount of fiber to their diet every day, they would get a 25% reduced risk of dying of the colon cancer that they'd been diagnosed with. Mm. That's pretty amazing. That, that's that would be statistically significant. 
Ab- <laughs> yeah, it certainly would be clinically significant, I'll tell you that. Yeah. But yes, I assume this is also mm-hmm. statistically significant. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, there is a small caveat with this. The greatest benefit was actually seen with whole grain consumption. Hmm. But at the same time, beans, it's actually not, they're not eaten that frequently in the United States, which definitely needs to change. Right. Um, but either way, you're still getting lots of fiber. So a whole Fiber is the answer here. So I would think then beans and rice would be one of the more healthy meals you yeah. could ever possibly beans and You want to put the brown rice in there so you get the whole grain. No question. Yep. No question. Or quinoa or a millet or anything. Buckwheat, oats, you name it. Whole grain. Wheat berries, whole wheat, you could do any of these things. I haven't done beans and oats. That seems like an interesting combo. I feel like it would be sort of a smoothie combo like you're talking about. Yeah. Where you could just chuck some oats into that chocolate smoothie that you were mentioning. Yeah, I'm not going to have stuff. my Saturday morning oatmeal with uh, cinnamons, raisins. Although they do <laughs> and make black beans. They do make it's a chickpea-based cookie dough. Do they? That is a recipe. I would. I can find it online. It's a real thing. Throw that away for Julie, my wife. Uh huh. That would be husband <laughs> bonus points. Thank yep, you. Yep, you're welcome. Um, talk to me. I know that there was another study that was conducted, uh, not too terribly long ago. I want to say back in 2014 that looked at maybe some polyps and the link between fiber consumption and and polyp. Yeah, and this was actually a study of studies. So this is looking at multiple. It was 20 different studies, mm-hmm. and they looked at fiber intake and precancerous colon polyps. Mm-hmm. So these are not cancer, but they're those little outgrowths of cells in the wall of the colon. That right. just, yeah, really, they're kind of on their way. They're not quite stable. Right. So those are things you don't want to have. And those who ate the most fiber had a 28% lower risk of developing those colon polyps. And for every 10 grams of fiber the person consumed, the risk of having a polyp dropped by 9%. So again, this is pretty clear data that you want to be eating these fiber-rich foods. Right. And really, I mean, again, you go back to those the fiber content found in beans that we talked about earlier. One cup of beans covers that. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yep. yep. Easily. Yep. Um, what about breast cancer? So we talked about the guys. What about what about women and breast cancer? Right. You wouldn't think this would – you would think like, okay, breast cancer, fiber, like how does this tie in? But – so this is a 2016 study in the journal Pediatrics, and you're going to see why it was pediatrics here in a moment. So this study looked at fiber intake and breast cancer – They looked at more than 44,000 women during their teen and young adult years. This Mm -hmm. was part of the nurse's health study. Mm -hmm. And they found that those who ate the most fiber during, again, the teen, teen young adult years had a lower risk for breast cancer later in life compared Mm. to those who ate the least fiber. So it's kind of like, well, you know, why, right? Right. What's the link between, you think digestive tract, okay, colon cancer, I get that. Sure, But like breast cancer? So- a potential mechanism, we don't you know, know for sure, but you know how we mentioned that soluble fiber can bind to excess cholesterol yeah. and that can be removed from the body through your waist? Yeah. So the same kind of thing happens with excess estrogen. Actually, estrogen looks a decent amount like a cholesterol molecule and soluble fiber can bind to excess estrogen so that instead of reabsorbing it in your gastrointestinal tract, you get rid of it. No kidding. When you drop the kids off at the pool, I had to do that. Uh, 
There we go. Just get <laughs> Always. through all of them. Uh, yep. But uh, in all seriousness, that's that's really remarkable. I had no idea. Yeah. So excess estrogen, like having too high estrogen levels for a long period of time, increases the risk of certain types of breast cancer. So particularly in these developmental stages, so this is when breast tissue is developing and maturing, having appropriate estrogen levels is a good thing. Our fiber is just carrying everything out of the body. It's pretty great stuff. It yeah. really is. Man, it's getting in the bloodstream, getting all that stuff I out. Know. It's like... People Get talk about like detoxes. And... Just eat some nice, eat some beans, have some fiber rich food. Excellent. I, I wonder if there have been studies, and I'm sure that there have been. We, we need to revisit this because our uh, gut bacteria shows are always super popular. But the effect of beans on changing gut bacteria, or changing gut health. I would imagine it would be a significant effect. Yeah. 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 Yep. All right. Mm, future show idea. For, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. For another day. Um, as we tape this, it is uh, winter months, so mm-hmm. you know days are short. Not a whole lot of uh, light out there. A lot of people prone to uh, seasonal affective disorder, yep. depression. Yep. Um, beans, fiber. There's a link uh, with depression there as well. Correct. Uh, yeah. Again, things you wouldn't think of, like right. mental health, beans, fiber. What? So a study found that those they did a depression questionnaire and they looked at diet and those who had at least 21 grams of fiber. Per day again, less than we recommend, but more than a lot of Americans get. Um, they were less likely to show depressive symptoms. Mm. So the answer is: Is it the fiber? Is it the other components in foods that are high in fiber? Don't really know. They one of the things they thought might be causing it. Again, we talked about fiber feeding those good bacteria in your gut. They think it might be fiber's ability to alter the microbes in your gut. And reduce inflammation and oxidative stress and all of that can have a positive impact in terms of mood. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I really wish I don't I can't recall if I've talked about this on the show or not, but I really wish as a kid I would have known that because like I, I had like just crippling depression as a child and I would miss Aww. like months of school at a time Yikes. just because I couldn't like get up and get out and do anything like I just had zero will to do much of jack squat. That's rough. Um and now I think about it, well, how much better I feel, not just physically, but emotionally since really adopting the plant-based diet. But, I mean, think of, there's that correlation then with the fiber there as well. So, yeah, know, beans could be playing a role in, in my overall happiness. That is good to know. No, they really can. And also, again, beans and greens, these foods are also rich in folate in addition to fiber. I think I may have mentioned this before, but folate is one of the building blocks of serotonin. Hmm. So that's that feel-good neurotransmitter. Yep. Um, a lot of antidepressants, they work by raising serotonin levels. Yeah, it's uh, SRIs? Or yeah, SSRIs. Yeah. Yep. Selective yep. serotonin reuptake inhibitors. But <laughs> The body uses folate, again, in beans, also in greens, to make serotonin in the first place. So if you're not getting enough, you're, you know, you're kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball in terms of making the chemicals that help you feel good. Ah, right? Fascinating. Who knew? Again, beans. Beans. Oh, I mean, yep. it's just, a, it's just a, the cure to what ails you. I heart beans. Um, You know, the question, it always gets asked. You tell somebody you're plant-based. Oh, my word. Where do you get your protein? Yes. Well, turns out beans are a pretty good source. They're a pretty great source. Yeah. Super rich. All right. So, of course, we know that tofu, well, maybe you don't know, but tofu is a very rich source of protein. About 20 grams and half a cup of firm tofu. Wow. Tofu made from? 
Soy. Soybeans, that's right. So it's actually, it's a bean product. Uh, chickpeas, one cup of cooked chickpeas, about 14 and a half, not to put too fine a point on it, mm-hmm. uh, grams of protein. Lentils, almost 18 grams of protein. And black beans, kidney beans, both about 15 grams of protein per cup of cooked. Yeah. Silly amounts. Lots of protein. That's good to know. And again, you're getting protein in all your plant foods, but this is a lot. And it's plant protein, which is typically safer than animal protein in terms of health. Right. Yep. A half a cup of tofu. That's not a lot. You it's think not. Of, you think about it. Like, yeah, I like, uh, you ever just grilled tofu and put it on a salad? Like, really simple. I actually haven't. Uh, you should try it. Like I've roasted it with barbecue sauce. That's some. That's some tasty business. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> tasty business. <laughs> I'm talking like just straight up out of the package. I I had this on a whole food salad bar of all huh. things, and I was like, well, maybe somebody in the kitchen was just being lazy, you know? Right. Because sometimes they'll have balsamic tofu, which yeah. is pretty good, but they they just took it right out of the package and put it on the grill. I was like, huh? You know what? Yeah. That's pretty good. All that's right. pretty good. This summer or this spring when we yeah. fire up the grill, that's going to happen. It up. All right. Or if you got a foreman, you know, just plug that in. in the We're kitchen. not quite that advanced. There's nothing <laughs> advanced about the foreman grill, okay? I do have an Instant Pot. Do you? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And All a high-power right. blender, so right. I'm two for three. <laughs> um, so here, here's the natural question. Beans, high in protein. Yep. Got to be good for bodybuilders, building them muscles, yeah. getting all big and strong. Absolutely. Certainly. Again, we need just enough protein, not too much. But if um, you are if you, if you you are one of those weightlifters, bodybuilders who's trying to, you know, get bigger, absolutely. Beans are a great source for that protein. Um, also, in terms of athletic performance, generally speaking, we have, you know, Scott Jurek. He's an ultra endurance runner. Mm-hmm. He won the Western States Ultra Marathon seven times. Not like a hundred miles or it's, something like yeah, that? Yeah, and in heat and calling me through deserts. It's, it's yeah. I don't want to say insanity, but kind of, to me, looks like it's it. It's bordering on it. It's pretty intense, yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's a pretty tough guy, and he's he's running on plants. So we also have uh, David Carter, who is a former NFL player, the 300-pound vegan. Mm-hmm. And if you look on his Instagram account, I mean, dude's... I've interviewed him. Oh. I went, I went to New York to interview him. There you him. go. Uh, check out the, the episode. It was up. I think we released it uh, earlier this year, probably six months or so ago. Um, he is an enormous individual. Yep. I mean, have you had the pleasure of meeting I've, him? I've only seen him on, on, on the Insta. He will dwarf you. I mean, he seems like a big dude, and he seems solid. He He's huge. Yeah. And you, you you can't tell a difference between him and, you know, Joe defensive lineman in the NFL who, right. you know, is eating that traditional diet. Except that his arteries are probably a whole lot cleaner. Oh, there's no question mm-hmm. about that, my friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, just an enormous, and I mean muscles. I mean, just I know, I feel like his si- muscles had muscles. His <laughs> biceps are the size of my head. Like, it, it's just unbelievable. I went to shake his hand. It broke me. We had to take the interview <laughs> later because I had to go to the ER. No, it's a rough gig. I mean, seriously, he is, he is just, he's huge absolutely huge uh, and could not be nicer. So you can build muscle on plants. Yeah. That is all. That's kind of what the the, the Game Changers documentary is, is going to be talking about as yep. well. That should be so coming here. up yep. sometime hopefully this winter. Um, so we talked a lot about fiber and the health benefits there, but beans, man, these things are nutrition powerhouses come to find out. They really are. So of course they've got all these complex carbohydrates which are great fuel in addition to the fiber and protein, um, but also mineral powerhouses. Mm. Iron, calcium, zinc, magnesium, potassium. They've also got B vitamins. I mean, 
these are, you know, beans really go big when it comes to packing nutrition into this, you know, pretty small package. So right. absolutely, yes. It's, it's uh, iron. That's another one. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, greens have, have a significant amount of iron. I believe that they do. growing up, you're, you would know this. I think, when, okay, here it is. I had a doctor once tell me, get your iron from eating meat. And he mm-hmm. pointed me specifically to liver. Oh. And at no point in my life did I ever find liver appealing. It has a little edge of bile to it, which is not a huge surprise because that's where your body makes bile. Oh, well, that's pleasant. <laughs> Sorry. But, I mean, bias aside, that, that never really appealed to me. I'm curious. I would imagine, you know, since we were talking about the levels of protein and fiber found in beans, I would imagine with the nutrients, it's got to also be comparable, the amount of iron and, you know, found in beans versus what you could get in meat. I mean, the answer is I don't know. I do know that vegetarians tend to consume as much or more iron than meat eaters or omnivores do. Um, So I don't really have any concerns there. Um, I also do know that people can overconsume iron if they're getting it from animal sources because it comes, it just gets absorbed with the other components. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're getting your iron from plant sources, so animal iron comes in a form called heme, Mm -hmm. and then non-heme iron is found in plants, so your body can absorb it when you need it, but it's a lot easier for your body to pass up on it when your iron stores are full. So, yeah, so you have this sort of it's actually, it's the best of all worlds. You've got lots of iron in plant foods. And if you need more iron, you can eat them with vitamin C rich foods like, you know, bell pepper, like yellow and red bell peppers or have an orange for dessert. Sure. I mean, basically every plant food's got vitamin C. You can absorb what you need and that's it and let the rest go. Whereas animal based iron, your body basically just absorbs it even if your stores are already full. So wow. it's, or is more efficient at absorbing it even when it would be better if you were less efficient at absorbing it. So yeah. And it's actually a safer a little bit of trouble. Yeah, it's a safer form of iron that's to get it from plants. I know. I did not know that. Yep. I knew that there was heme and non-heme, but Fun I, fact. I didn't realize that mm-hmm. the body kind of treated them treats them differently. Uh, you know, here's something that people like. Not long ago, you and I went downstairs. We proved that you could shop for two people for an entire week for $43. That was a blast. That, yes. that was pretty cool. Uh Let's talk about the money that somebody can save by eating beans instead of meat. Because yeah. you tallied this up for a presentation that you gave, I believe, in the Navajo Nation, something like that. Yes. And when I saw these figures, I was like, oh, my God. Like, we're talking like it's a lot paychecks for some people. Yeah. No, truly. So if you buy a pound of beans per week mm-hmm. relative. OK, so let's just go to costs here. Yeah. Pound of beans, one pound of beans per week relative to one pound of beef per week. Do that over 52 weeks. You're going to save about $216 per year. Mm. So these figures are a little bit older, so it might even be more now. We're looking at $5.28 a pound versus $1.07 a pound. So that's a significant savings. If you do that, if you do a pound of beans instead of three pounds of beef, again, we're looking at like $648 a year. Right. These are some pretty significant savings. Right. I mean, I could find some things to do with $648. You think about like the bigger families, you know, you got more mouths to feed. Obviously, you could use more money. Uh, Ran the numbers up to five pounds and you save over a thousand dollars at that point. Yeah. And then you also, this does not account for like future health care costs that are associated with eating, you know, red meat as opposed to eating beans. It's just, there's no contest. No. The beans win. Think about that. When I think about money and things like that, I think about that in terms of like bills. 
Okay, so a thousand dollars—that's easily a couple of car payments. That's for sure. You know, yeah, that's that's it's keeping your the lights on gas, and keeping your house warm. Yep, multiple grocery bills. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, as you said, significant savings. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that uh, that that shopping trip at Rodman's that was forty-three dollars. That was brought to you in part by Beans. Yeah, Beans, Beans—they're good for your wallet. <laughs> they are. How doesn't have that? quite the same ring, but equally true. No, but uh, boy, <laughs> does it ever resonate. Um, so we talked about the savings there, but what about the nutritional comparison between beans and beef? I would imagine if you run some numbers back to back, if I had to hazard a guess, one's healthier than another, but you're the nutritionist here, so why don't you spoil it? I uh, Okay, so you knew this was coming. So black beans, we're looking at, we're doing this by weight here. This is about 100 grams. We're looking at 130 calories in that weight of black beans, 270 in ground beef. Mm. Total fat in the black beans is a big zero. zero. And the total fat in the ground beef was 18 grams. Saturated fat in the beans also zero. And the saturated fat in ground beef, seven grams. No cholesterol in beans, 80 milligrams of cholesterol in ground beef, eight grams of fiber. And again, so this is not a full cup of beans and 100 grams. And zero fiber in the ground beef. And then three milligrams of iron in the black beans. Spoiler, only 2.3 milligrams of iron in the ground beef. So it is comparable. We it is. Talking about there that. you go. So it is Absolutely. comparable. Absolutely. Yep. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, huh? So $4 a pound cheaper. And, and healthier, too. Man. Mm-hmm. That's nutrient density at its Correct. Worst. Yep. Um, so here's, here's the question. So somebody's like, all right, let me work some beans into my diet. Love that. It's sold. All right. How how much beans should a person be eating? Well, in terms of serving sizes, my answer is eat all the beans you want <laughs> until you're full and happy. But technically, we'll, what we tend to recommend is a cup to a cup and a half per day. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're just starting out on beans, you might want to take it, you know, start low and go slow. Bring them into your diet, you know, a quarter cup or a half cup, and then just kind of ease that on up. So you get to a cup or a cup and a half per day. So, And then for little kids, of course, you're going to cut the serving size down. So whereas a serving size, you know, quote unquote, serving size for adults would be half a cup. You know, for toddlers, we're talking two to three tablespoons. Or for little kids, a third of a cup to even, you know, a half a cup. So we're going to scale it down for, for, the, for the wee ones. Mm, scale it down. But, yeah, again, starting with one serving a day, that one half cup serving, and then easing on up to three servings a day would be optimal. All right. Let's get down and dirty here. All right. Uh-oh. People think beans, boy, there's a stigma that comes with it. There is. It's a stinky stigma. <laughs> it doesn't have to be as stinky as people think it's going to be. Uh, yeah. yeah. So gas. I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, jokes aside, you eat beans, gas happens. You're right? going to get – and that's – part of that's because you're feeding those good microbes in your gut – they, they produce gas. Is that what that is? That's part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's a good, it's a sign of good things happening. We just, you know, in the modern world, it can be a little challenging sometimes. So we want to, you know, moderate that effect. Right. In the office, you're going to want to try to curtail that a little, <laughs> a little bit, bit, especially if you, yeah, you, know, so you you're keep in your a friends. cube or you yeah. have an office mate. Especially in a cube. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what can we do to kind of try to cut down on the gas a little bit? Right. So a number of steps. The first one we talked about is easing in. So if you are not used to eating beans, this is not a time to go big and be like, I'm eating two cups in a day. <laughs> no, start small, quarter cup or a half cup. Let that sort of settle in because you are going to change your gut bugs. And while this little, you know, kerfuffle is going on, 
while you're the word. thank you while you're while you're changing over the kinds of bacteria that are dominant in your GI tract, yeah. uh, there could be a little more gas than you would have once you settle into this pattern. So start low, go slow with increasing beans. Um, the next thing, if you're making dry beans, soak them first. Soak them. What's the importance there? So it actually helps to start the sprouting process in beans, which takes some of those indigestible carbohydrates and starts to turn them into digestible ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you Also, some of them are liberated into the soak water. So you soak your beans. Also, I should say, make sure you pick through them first because you don't want little rocks in your beans. Mm. So, yeah, sometimes those can get in there. So just, you know, take a look. You don't want to eat pebbles. So you soak them and you pour off the soak water. That's getting rid of some of those gas-inducing substances already. And then, and only then, do you go ahead and cook them. Real quick, yeah. tip. Yep. You were telling me not to eat beans that have not been cooked, right? You want to cook beans thoroughly. So you want to bring them up to a boil for at least a minute. I mean, like full rolling boil for a minute. Or if you have a pressure cooker or an instant pot, perfect. Yeah, so beans are not meant to be eaten raw. Please do not. If you sprout them, some varieties are are okay, but you certainly don't want to like get the idea to like, oh, I'm just going to take some dry beans and chuck them in this super high-powered blender I have, that actually can give you gastrointestinal really ramifications. Right. So make sure you eat your beans cooked. If they're canned, you're covered already. If you're cooking them at home, make sure you boil them, full rolling boil for at least a minute first. Really? Yeah. You get a bag of dry beans and yep. it only takes a minute? Oh, no. No, that's just before you simmer them forever and ever Oh, after I was that. like, what? I was like, Oh, no, you're going right? to cook those puppies for like an hour or two. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. No, yeah. but first. Or, again, if you have a pressure cooker, much faster. Okay. Temperature gets a lot higher. All right, so super high and then let it simmer. That's right. You okay. basically just want to break down some of those things that can cause gastrointestinal problems. Right, right, right. Yes. Um, and then you also say, you talked about the canned beans, but... You don't want to just open that up and pour it on a salad or pour it on your no, plate. No, right? you really want to rinse. So you know how we, we just mentioned about pouring off the soak water? Yeah. You also want to get rid of the cooking water. It does taste pretty good, so I understand wanting to leave it in. But do yourself a favor, especially if you're not used to eating a lot of beans. Rinse your cooked beans, whether you cooked them or whether they're canned. Rinse them off first. That's going to get rid of a lot more of those indigestible carbohydrates that can cause gas. Mm. So... Good tip. That is a pro tip for reducing your gas when you're eating beans is to rinse them off whether they are home-cooked or canned. And let me give you my own personal tip (laughs) when it comes to beans and cutting down on gas. Chew thoroughly. When you think that you've chewed enough, chew some more. That is true. Don't eat them in a hurry. I'm with you on that. No. Take Mm -hmm. the time. Savor the flavor. (laughs) Savor the flavor and and do your neighbor a favor. Um, That is a lot of rhyming. Uh, thank you. And Good it work. just popped in there. Yeah. What? Yeah, thank you. Quick on his feet. Yeah, do your favor. A- anyway, um, but in all seriousness, beans or any other food, like I find that the gas is cut down dramatically. The the more you chew, the yep. better you because like you're you're easing the digestive process inside of you. You won't have to work as hard if you chew it up. Chew because your stomach does not have teeth. Mm. True. True story. I <laughs> yep. I chew every bite at least forty. 40, 40 times. Wow. Yeah. I wish I could say that. Yeah. I have to remind myself. I'll catch myself kind of inhaling food and being like, oh, yeah, I need to taste this and chew it. Taste is good. And, and it is a really excellent point that overall in terms of digestive health and not having as much gas, taking your time when you eat. No doubt. Yep. And I find that I get fuller faster. Absolutely. It gives your blood sugar time to rise. Well, yeah, and it gives your brain. So our brains are actually on a little bit of a delay when it comes to feeling full, which when it was really hard to find food was great. 
because you didn't know you're full until 20 minutes after you were actually full, so you could overeat a little bit. Right, right. But in today's world, that's not helpful. Um, so we talked about the you know the endless options of beans that are available in the store. Are all of them good? Yep. Okay. Pretty much. I can't think of a bean that I would say, oh, please don't eat that. No. Fried, canned, frozen. Love it. It's all I mean, for canned, the only thing I would say is if they are full, you know, get low sodium or make sure. But you're going to rinse them anyway, so that'll help cutting down on the salt. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, So we talked a little bit about cooking dry beans. Sort them. Make sure you get the pebbles out. Yeah. No one wants to chew on a rock. Rinse them. Soak them. Boil them. Yep. Simmer them. Yep. Good to go. Rinse them when you're done. Rinse them after cooking. How do you cook your beans? What, what, what do you like to do? I mean, they're like so. They're a versatile food. Oh, they are. I mean, you don't you don't need to eat a plant based diet to know that beans are super versatile. Yep. All right. So, give us some suggestions here. So, if I say black beans, how would you recommend seasoning these black beans? Salsa, cumin, garlic, and then fresh cilantro at the end. Ooh, Absolutely. So southwest. Although, I have to say, can I just make a quick plug here for pinto beans being so good on their own? And if anyone is from eastern Kentucky or Kentucky and you've never had soup beans and cornbread, that is something you should try. It is basically just slow-cooked pinto beans with a little bit of kind of a smoky flavor added. You can just use liquid smoke or smoked paprika. Oh, man. So good together. Yep. Soup beans. And I, I, they just call them soup beans. Yep. Soup beans and, and, and cornbread. And, and cornbread. It is manna from heaven. So good. That sounds like a pretty good southern meal right there. It pretty much is, yeah. Right. Also, I will say pinto beans, good for everything else, too. You can throw them on a baked potato, baked sweet potato, put some barbecue sauce on there. So tasty. We'll just do an Instant Pot full of pinto beans and then just use it for everything. That. I, beans on a potato. Yep. That's a new one to me. Oh, beans on a sweet potato. Drizzle of barbecue sauce. Done. No kidding. Yep. It's tasty. On a sweet potato. On a sweet potato. Okay. You look skeptical. The, well, I mean, this is, <laughs> this is My I challenge mean, a completely to you. new concept to me. Really? I've never heard this. What about black beans and salsa on a sweet potato? No. Where have I've you been? I've never heard of beans and potatoes going together. So delightful. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Black five beans out and of salsa, five stars recommend that. Really? Yep. Where did you discover this? Um, can I say laziness on the air? <laughs> I was like, it I got sweet potatoes in the fridge and I got beans and hey, I love barbecue sauce. That's pretty much how that got started. All right. <laughs> so classy. Hey, man, you know, whatever's in the fridge, man, make it happen. Sometimes. Uh, kidney beans. That's another pretty versatile bean. Yeah. They will go with pretty much anything that most of us think chili when oh, you're yeah. thinking about kidney beans. So you get some crushed tomatoes, you get some chili powder, you can saute some onions for bonus points and, mm. uh, Chili. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They are a staple in my world for mm-hmm. this pumpkin chili. Ooh. Yeah. Pumpkin chili. Ooh. That's good stuff. Yeah. All right. Yes, it is. So when will you be bringing that in, Chuck? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you keep doing these shows and we're not paying you any extra, so I guess I should, yeah, I should where's my chili? bring you something. <laughs> chili. Pumpkin chili. Yeah. Yep. Uh, lentils. That's something that we haven't really talked a lot about. I guess that that's like a cousin to a bean. Maybe? So they're all legumes. They're all in the legume family. Legume. So they're all the dried beans, peas, and lentils. Yes. Curry together. Time, onions. Oh, yeah. Lentils are amazing. With you Put some curry in there. Get a little turmeric. Get some onions. Interesting. If you make a curry really good on top, dried fruit. So things like raisins or cranberries. I would imagine really the nice. sweet would balance really well with, with the curry. The spi- with the heat and yeah. the salt. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So good. 
Uh, Navy beans. That's the last one I'm going to ask you about. All right. I love a three sisters combo. That's corn, beans, and squash. So you can do like a butternut squash with your some fresh tomatoes in there just for mm. a little bit of flavor and the navy beans and some sweet corn. Yeah. Delightful. Yeah, you did the uh, the three sisters combo there recently on I your, did. Uh, ABC7. I sure did. In, in DC. It's tasty stuff. Mm. We'll link off to that at PCRM or at uh, Veggie underscore Quest. I'm sure maybe even tweet out a link to that. Or Can do. Like that. Yeah, you bet. That'd be awesome. Uh, as always, you are just a delight. I well, thank like, you. I feel like we've covered so much fantastic ground with fiber. And beans. And beans. It, it, really, I mean, I jokingly call this the super fiber show, but we spent a lot of time on fiber. Fiber is super. It is. Thank you. It's super food, fiber-rich plant foods. Beans. Beans, people. There's so <laughs> much more to the bean than just the fiber. There is. It is. It is a magical fruit. Is it? <laughs> and we we end where we began. Yes. <laughs> Uh, all right. So if you would like to crack wise and seriously, in all honesty, get serious about your health, I, I cannot uh, recommend this enough. Call up Lee at the Barnard Medical Center Absolutely. if you live in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, visit barnardmedical.org or jot this number down, 202-527-7500. Um, always ask you. Always want the answer. Somebody comes to see you, what can they expect? They can expect a thorough review of their health history, of the foods they're eating now, and then we will tailor a diet plan, a plant-based plan for them to help them meet their health goals. There, there is just nothing more rewarding in this world than working with someone, watching them change what they eat, and just watching the magic happen. It's incredible. So, yes, I encourage anyone who wants to optimize their health, make an appointment and come on in. That's pretty cool. It's, I, it's I, amazing. I, I love your position because you, really, as you just said, getting an opportunity to witness those transformations. It's firsthand. incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I yep. mean, better than any paycheck. Yep. Well, I'm uh, <laughs> just kidding. I Almost know. better than I know. <laughs> no, truly. Truly, it is. It, it is. It is. Um, so thank you very much, Lee Crosby. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, on the Twitters, at veggie underscore Quest and I uh, believe you're, you're also on the gram. I am on the gram. Uh, I think it might be quest? the same. Just straight up veggie. I think, I think it, so. Lee at veggie quest. There you That's go. What it is. That's the spirit. We, we got to get some continuity with you in the social. I know. I know. I know. I got to do a little revamping. Yeah, it is. Uh, anyway, so that's where you can find her. You can find the show at PCRM on Twitter, at Physicians Committee on the gram, and me, Mr. Continuity. At Chuck Carroll, WLC. Carroll, two R's, two L's, WLC, standing for Weight Loss Champion. Good for both Twitter and Instagram. You're welcome. Uh, anyway, if you haven't already done so, if you're just listening to this online, be sure to subscribe to the show. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. It doesn't really matter wherever podcasts are. That's where you can find us. Go ahead, subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating if you would be so kind and a nice review. We would greatly appreciate it. Lee Crosby, greatly appreciate you. Thank you so very much. Great to be here. Continuing here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the Weight Loss Champion, Chuck Carroll. I am so excited about my next guest. When I first started doing this show, people told me all the time, there's this gentleman in New York who you have to talk to. He has this incredible story. Little did I know, he also happened to be the president of the Borough of Brooklyn. And with that, we welcome to the show Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Chuck. It's good being on your show. It is an absolute thrill and a pleasure. And I want to talk to you. Let's start uh, a little bit uh, by talking 
about your story. Um, you were diagnosed also with type two diabetes, and it that's something that that really develops over time because of a, of a person's diet. So I'm curious. My first question to you is this. Talk to me a little bit about what the foods were that you were brought up eating. I mean, were you like so many of us that were raised on, you know, really high fat fried foods and, you know, sugary cereals and things of that nature? Yes, we all are. And it doesn't matter if you are Italian and you have spaghetti and meat sauce or if you are African-American and you you have meatloaf. Or if you are Mexican and you have ground beets, ground beef, enchiladas, so it's all the same, but just different ways of preparing it. And so the high sugar, the high salt, the high fat, the high oil has always been the foundation of the American diet. And the desire and the need to consume meat is that you feel almost un-American if you did not consume meat, people look at you funny and say, you know, what do you mean you don't eat meat? You're one of those. And so <laughs> it was it was extremely challenging uh, to come to the realization that the diet that we called American was really the diet that was killing us. Now, you talk about kind of that un-American way of thinking to not eat meat. Um was that kind of what you also experienced because you spent so many years also in law enforcement? And I'm kind of wondering, like, what kind of foods were available at the station there? And were cookouts and barbecues and things of that nature pretty commonplace for for officers as well? And that's a great question, because law enforcement is a very macho occupation where you you know you want to, you want to do manly things as they say it and if you go out to the cookouts the barbecues the celebrations it's about who has the best steak who has the best hot dog and sausages and uh, all those foods that are really meat centered around the entire meal is you're looking at the consumption of meat and it's really a mind changer, a paradigm shift when you all of a sudden have to break away from those traditional norms that is really just is unhealthy. So we buy in, I mean, so many of us buy into that that macho culture and it, it does, it catches up with us as we age. And so I'm curious, What brought you to the doctor that day, if you don't mind talking about this, what brought you to the doctor that day that you were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes? Well, it was in 2016, and I was in Dubai, and I was receiving some pains in my stomach. I thought it was actually colon cancer because I just lost a good friend to colon cancer. And I committed that when I returned to the city, I was going to go to my internist and he subsequently referred me to uh, to receive a colonoscopy and an endoscopy. And at the same time, I started to experience a serious eye loss in my left eye, vision loss in my left eye. And I was also losing vision in my right eye. And I, I was having tingling in my hands and feet. I learned that that was nerve damage and I lost feeling in my right thigh. So I was in pretty bad 
shape. I looked fine physically, but I needed to take an internal selfie because my body was breaking down. <laughs> and so when I came out of sedation, the doctor stated that, Eric, you have a, an ulcer, but uh, your colon is fine. But your real problem is, is your diabetes. Your A1C is a 17, the indicator of saying how high your blood sugar level is. And he stated that we're going to have to put you on insulin right away. And we're going to have to give you three medications to get your diabetes under control. Uh, talk to me about the emotions that you felt. I mean, that is that is a lot to digest. Uh, and uh, I mean, was there any sense of relief there, seen as though you thought initially you were going to be diagnosed with colon cancer? And that's 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 that's, that's very uh, fascinating because you you are correct. There was an an XL uh, that it wasn't colon cancer, and there was almost this first round of acceptance of, okay, diabetes, you know, mom has diabetes, my sister has diabetes, you know, okay, you're supposed to get it, it runs in the family. So there, so there was this sort of acceptance that, you know, no big thing, diabetes. But then as I went and started to read on it and finding out that diabetes was the number one cause of blindness, the number one cause of non-limb amputation, a leading cause of heart disease, and so many other injuries and, and byproducts to diabetes, I started to say, wait a minute, this is, this, is, this is a problem. And I just decided that I needed to do some more research to find out, is this something that is manageable? Is this something I have to live with? And it just did not sit right with me of, for the rest of my life, as the doctor said, you will be taking medicine for the rest of your life You'll be injecting yourself with insulin for the rest of your life. Those words just didn't just did not settle with me. And you uh, went to another doctor uh, after some time had passed. The same doctor, I believe, that Bill Clinton uh, visited, and he introduced you to the concept of a plant-based diet. Is that correct? Yes, actually, I went to five doctors here in the city. And, you know, as the borough president, I have a great relationship with all my hospitals. So they referred me to the specialist. And what was very revealing in the meetings, not one doctor was able to give me the true reason that I was diabetic. Some said it was hereditary. Others said that you eat too much carbohydrates. Another said you eat too much sugar. I just, I just got all of these different descriptions. And... I just refused to believe what I was hearing. And what led me to say something is wrong is that everybody was giving me different reasons for being diabetic. Mm -hmm. Now, they were able to give me the symptoms, but no one was able to tell me why. When I went into their office and said, why am I diabetic? The, the reasons were changing based on which office I was in. And so I just went online and did something scientific. I Googled reversing <laughs> diabetes. And all of this information came up. And Dr. Esselton was one of the people. He's, he treated Bill Clinton for his, his heart disease. And I started reading his information and cross-referencing what I was reading. I came across a book by Dr. Gregor, How Not to Die, and Dr. Barnard, reversing diabetes. 
these and started reading, and it was just mind-boggling. And so I called uh, Dr. Esselton and told him who I was and wanted to know if he would see me as a patient, and he told me to fly down to see him. And I did just that, and he told me that, Eric, if you change your lifestyle and do a plant-based diet, you could reverse your diabetes, and I was all in. So before you were doing this research and you were getting mixed messages from all of these different doctors, I would imagine that that was very frustrating for you because you couldn't get that straight answer. Here are these people who had spent years in medical school and have years of experience as a doctor, and they're still not able to give you a firm answer to that question of why. How frustrating was that to keep getting those mixed messages? It, it, it was. It was extremely frustrating. And just the thought of just walking out of the offices one at a time and sitting on the park bench and just trying to figure this out. So you can't get any clear answers. Is, is this the script that you follow in life? You, know, you, 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 you get older, you reach your, your mid-50s, you get diabetes, and you just start that spiral down downhill. I, I never figured a quote from Ronald Reagan once when he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. He says, I now start the dog journey to the end of my life. And I just ran through my head that, you know, is this it? Is this a script? And I just refused to surrender without a good fight. And that is why I said, hey, you, you're you a former police officer. You're not a doctor, but you know how to do investigations and you know how to read. And so why not use those skills from your law enforcement to find out what are the answers to this question that no one else can seem to give you? Mm, the health detective. I like that. We're going to have to add that to your <laughs> business card. <laughs> so you, you fly down and you see Dr. Esselstein. Talk to me about that initial consultation, about that, that meeting. I would imagine that in terms uh, of the emotional scale, this would have been a complete 180 uh, compared to the day that you were told that you actually had diabetes. So, so true. He, his presentation was thorough. He was very clear. The evidence was remarkable because as I stated, I come from a, an entire adult life of going where the e evidence leads you. Mm -hmm. And his evidence was, I was able to cross reference. I was able to see exactly. He was unwavering in his position. There were also some former patients who were there who shared their story and how their lives were turned around. I said, this guy is on to something, and I'm going to, if anything, I'm not going to surrender without a good fight. So when somebody makes that decision to radically change their diet, in your case to a plant-based diet, even though you know some of the foods that you've been eating your entire life are quite literally starting to kill you, you know, there's still that little part of us that's like, man, I'm really going to miss, you know, uh, barbecue. I don't know how in the world I'm going to live without that pork barbecue sandwich. Did you have some of those? Like, were you dreading having to give up certain foods? Without a doubt, without a doubt. And particularly the first two weeks were extremely challenging because I am clear that our diets, sugar, fat, salt, salt, and oil is no different than heroin or alcohol mm -hmm. or any of the addictive qualities. We are addicted to food and 
you know, you go to a person addicted to heroin and say, listen, you need to stop doing that because it's killing you. They would tell you, I would if I could. This is what addiction is. It's not merely saying, okay, I'm going to stop. Some people are able to do things cold turkey, but the overwhelming number of human beings have to fight addiction. And oftentimes, even when you get off that item that you are addicted to, it's a constant fight. There's a reason that NA, AA, and other A's say one day at a time, because they know it's a constant struggle. Every time an alcoholic walks past a bar or a liquor store, he has to get his composure and fight against it. And that's how, that's how it was for me those first two weeks, that every time I saw that steak on the table, that, that donut, that those other items that I was addicted to, it was a struggle until I made up my mind that I wanted to heal and I'm not going to allow the addiction of that poison to destroy me. I'm really glad that you brought up the addiction angle. This is something that I talk about frequently on the show. Um, when I weighed 420 pounds, that was the heaviest that I weighed. Um, I'm now 265 pounds lighter. Um, I would, I struggled so mightily to get off of fast food, Taco Bell in particular. Um, and during those times when I would try to just diet, I would go a few days and, and the Taco Bell would l leave my system, but I would get angry. And at night I would get cold sweats and, um, I would just feel sick. I would feel nauseous and, and the anger and the frustration built up to, to a point where one night I actually punched my fist through a wall because I wasn't able to get that food fix that my brain was hooked on. I was physically addicted at that point. Did you experience any sort of withdrawal like that? I was, I was, I enjoyed uh, sweets and sugar and fast food. And, and, and I always state that you I had to always put the myth to rest that wondered if cops like donuts and it's not a myth, it's the truth. I would eat any kind of donut, doesn't matter if it was jelly, glaze, it didn't matter. And that addiction of waking up in the middle of the night, I used to love in, eating late and I love waking up in the middle of the night and eating, you know, some fried chicken or something like that and having to change those patterns you you get a level of anxiety. And I always state that if you take someone addicted to heroin, put them in one room and in the next room side by side, you take someone addicted to American fast food and, and junk food and wean them both off, I challenge people to identify who was hooked on the heroin and who was hooked on the food. Mm. It's the same withdrawals that you go through. You start thinking about it, dreaming about it. It's challenging until you you get out of the moment of of being just, you know, detoxed. Yep. So talk to me about how differently you felt after that two-week transition that you were referencing. So you go through this two-week period uh, where you start the diet, and then you come out on the other side. Are you already starting to feel a lot better? Are some of those symptoms you were experiencing starting to reverse themselves at that point? Well, three weeks after going whole food plant-based, my eyesight cleared up. Three months after 
my nerve damage in my hands and feet went away. My cholesterol went from a 217 to a 57. My A1C went from the 17 down to a 5.7. My PSA went to a 1.1. The ulcer went away. All of those symptoms, my thigh nerve damage went away. It was just a complete reversal. I became a new man. My energy level changed. I dropped 35 pounds. My body just became this new machine. And I guess it said, finally, you're feeding me and not poisoning me. And you and you have not looked back since, huh? I, I, I am. I am never going back. Good man. And I, I, I look at myself and I say, who was that guy? How could I have just lived such a careless life? And I put all of my energy in learning how to move up through the police department from a sergeant to a lieutenant to a captain. I studied hard to obtain my associates, my bachelor's and my master's. And I ran hard to become a state senator and a borough president. I spent more time on those things outside my body and I ignored the thing that I'm around all the time and that is my body. I would never do that to my body again. I owed my body more and I would never treat it in the manner which I treated it for 55 years. Now, I read an article where the author described your office as kind of a mini grocery store. Like uh, there's health food everywhere in there. So I'm curious, if you're not eating steaks now and the donuts have have long since vanished, what is the uh, Eric Adams bodega, quote unquote, looking like today? (laughs) Well, I I have reintroduced myself to food, real food and not fake food and food like substances. (laughs) And I identify the pharmacy as being F-A-R- M-A-C-Y instead of P-H-A-R. Every time I walk inside the supermarket, I'm making a decision that am I going to feed myself or poison myself? And I bring those good foods around me. I I love uh, all sorts of beans from lentils to lima beans, pinto beans. They're a great source of protein. I I enjoy making uh, burgers uh, out of my beans as well. I enjoy spices people really don't understand that not only are spices great to make food taste good but spices also are extremely healthy and each sunday i look up a different spice and i drill down on it to learn more about it of all of the health benefits of it from the turmeric and pepper combination to cinnamon to nutmeg and many of the other spices that we come in in contact with that are really great for our body. And I keep uh, still cut oatmeal. I enjoy that a lot. Not only do I eat it for breakfast, but sometimes I would make a nice still cut oatmeal dish for dinner while, while, while I would chop up onions, still cut oatmeal, kale, some nice seasoning, mushrooms, and it is an amazing meal to eat late at night or in the evening. I enjoy pasta made out of lentils or black beans. There's some great pasta and you can't tell the difference between pasta that's made out of processed flour 
It tastes just as good, if not better. And so it is a combination of all of those different foods that you'll find around me all the time. I'm, I am never hungry. You should, you should not be hungry because this is not a diet. It's a lifestyle change. And you should feel fulfilled. Whenever you're hungry, you should eat. I know that you have to run. So I, I, I want to make sure that we get an opportunity to talk about some of the programs that you've uh, initiated up in, in Brooklyn as well, because you're not just, you know, keeping this message to yourself. You're sharing it now with your constituents up there. Talk to me a little bit about the, the programs that you're trying to implement up there. Well, the, the greatest program I did was with my mother. She was diabetic for 15 years. She was on insulin for seven years. She started a whole food plant-based diet, and she, in two months, she was off her insulin. The doctor took off her insulin. And so that program means the most to me. But we're also doing things in our schools. We're pushing to get processed meat out of our schools so our children won't continue to poison themselves. We have one of the largest school systems in the country, and every day we, we serve over 900,000 meals to our children that are really toxic in nature. The WHO has clearly indicated that processed meat is a type 1 carcinogen. We should not be serving this to our children. We're also looking at how do we get our hospitals on board. We have several of our hospitals who are now signing up to do Meatless Mondays, and they're slowly transitioning into cutting down their serving of meat. We want to get them where the St. Barbara hospital system in California, school or school system in California is, and not serving processed meat. We believe that needs to be done here. But my, my most exciting venture that we're doing is with Bellevue Hospital, which is one of the oldest hospitals in America. We finally got the city to agree to open a whole food plant-based clinic so that when a person comes in with a chronic disease, instead of giving them medicine that's going to treat their symptoms, they're now going to use this new terminology in New York in medicine. They're going to reverse their diseases. And that is amazing because if we can do it here in New York, we can do it throughout the entire country. That sounds like the future of medicine to me. Obviously, I'm biased, but that just sounds amazing. Yes, I, I agree. <laughs> Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough President, thank you so very much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure. I thank you. Be well. Cool show today. Got a chance to nerd out over beans. Find out not only can they help save your life, they can also help save you a ton of money, too. So interesting the way that we learn that families can save hundreds, if not thousands of dollars every year just by replacing beef with beans. Also fascinating the way that Lee was explaining how the fiber found in beans can scrub the system from top to bottom. And I'm talking about both types of fiber, too, both soluble and insoluble fiber going to work to keep your body functioning at its peak level. And as you just heard, such a phenomenal story with Eric Adams. So proud of this gentleman for the way that he's been able to improve his health by adopting a plant-based diet. And now he's paying forward what he's learned, trying to improve the lives of others. 
And, you know, what really struck me about our conversation was what he had to say about the macho atmosphere at police stations, you know, getting those who protect and serve to consider adopting a plant based diet. Not always the easiest thing in the world. You know, the macho environments, though, you think about it, they're not just limited to police precincts. Think about a locker room. Think about a gym or a construction site. Really any place that has the stereotypical macho, macho man. Think about those places. Really, all you need is just to get one or two people there to be a little bit open-minded about ditching meat and dairy. And that's really the case wherever you are in life, isn't it? Hmm? You get one or two to kind of open their eyes and then the dominoes just seem to fall. And in this case, hopefully everybody then starts to lead a healthier and happier life. Speaking of opening some eyes, I want to share this with you. Uh, if you're considering improving your health through a plant-based diet, we have a tremendous event coming up. We call it the Kickstart Intensive. It is a two-day event in Washington, D.C., just up the street from the Physicians Committee studios here. It is literally everything you need to know about going vegan in 48 hours. Really intense. That's why they call it an intensive. January 11th and 12th. I'll actually be speaking there. So you're going to learn about how a plant-based diet can help you lose weight, get that weight under control permanently. No more yo-yo dieting. You'll also learn how the plant-based diet can help if you're struggling with diabetes or high cholesterol, how it can help power the brain and and you're also going to learn about breaking food addiction. And that, that, my friend, is something that I struggled with mightily. And from my own personal experience, I can tell you, once you are able to break that vicious cycle, break that addiction, man, it is sweet. You take control of your health. Your body feels great. Your mind feels great. And there's no stopping you. Yeah, you know, we call it that immersion. Like I was saying, we call it the immersion because for these two days, you really will be immersed in all things vegan. So many experts are going to come and talk and explain exactly the ins and outs of the plant-based diet. Everything you need to know about going plant-based in the new year. And if you've been vegan for some time, it can also be a great refresher for you as well course with the holidays coming up maybe you have a friend or a family member who you think might be interested as well if so head over to pcrm.org slash events and register a lot more information there on the kickstart immersion as well i really 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 hope to see you there it is going to be a tremendous a tremendous event uh, speaking of sharing, would you mind telling a friend or family member about this show? I would be very, very grateful. Uh, we love getting the exam room out there, getting it in front of as many people as possible, because as they say, knowledge is power. And for all of its quirks, that's the one thing that this show certainly has plenty of, and that is knowledge. It's about helping you become the healthiest you possible. And of course, when you subscribe on Apple Podcast or Google Play or Stitcher, go ahead, leave a five-star rating and a nice comment as well, and I will personally be forever in your debt.
that about does it for us this week. So for Lee Crosby and for Eric Adams, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening to the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. <laughs>